Troy, as you know, I'm a big fan of the show Survivor. Okay. And this happens a lot in Survivor where a certain castaway has been loyal to an alliance for a long time, has voted with them, competed with them, has made it so far into the game with this alliance. Are are you insinuating that I'm no longer part of the alliance? Is that what you're getting at here? I'm going to keep you around for a little bit longer. Okay. I'm going to help I'm going to make you help me further my way into the game. <laughs> but then there's somebody else in the game that wants you to forget about that alliance and come join theirs to further help further them into the game. And they're going to pull you over to the side. They're going to go on another part of the island and they're going to make their pitch. And that person that's receiving the pitch, that's thinking about jumping alliances, will listen to it. They say, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I I could see that happening, yeah. But it's up to that person to decide, will they further me in the game, or will my my first alliance, my true alliance, who I've been with since day one, take me further? Take me to where I want to be, and further me into the game, what's my best decision? Notre Dame... The family has spoken. It's time for you to go. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale. Just us two today. We're going to be with you for the first hour. And then you'll hear at 510 a brand new Mitch Palm. Getting you set for Texas Tech. And we will talk about Super Bowl 57. Got some prop bets to go over as well. But after Mitch Palm, we will jump into a best of as Troy and I will be heading to Manhattan High School for some Manhattan hoops as they host Junction City. And let me tell you, that is the best high school basketball environment in the state of Kansas when Junction City visits Manhattan. But K-State fans, we had to sweat it there for a little while, didn't we? Actually, didn't have to sweat too long. Uh, less than 12 hours. It was just, all right, now it's the story is picking up traction. The more the details got out. As a matter of fact, I felt like we were really kind of the first ones to really talk about it. But it, where it all started was in South Bend. I mean, that's how I heard about it, was some Notre Dame guys talking about it. And then that word got over to Manhattan that Colin Klein could potentially be leaving Kansas State for Notre Dame for the same position. Offensive coordinator and, co- and a quarterback's coach is Tommy Reese, who is a former quarterback for the, for the Fighting Irish, who competed in that national championship game against Alabama uh, in 2012. And he has left for Alabama. Uh, Colin Klein did go to South Bend. He did interview. Formal setting. Came back. And I don't know all the details, but I'd imagine had a, had a very big talk with those closest to him, obviously. Shaylin, the family, those here at K-State, and had a big talk. Talk it all out. Seriously consider it. And from what I have heard, Colin did very seriously consider it. But it was the family... That was the the biggest interest for him, it sounds like. As in his family, the roots that they have here in Manhattan. Both he and his wife, student athletes for Kansas State, graduates. And Shailen, her dad's Gary, Gary Spaney. I mean, those are those are pretty strong roots. I mean, Colin's not from the state of Kansas, from Loveland, Colorado. 
but he's he's been here for most of the last 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's definitely quite a bit of time there to lay some foundation at the very least. Big 12 championship winner. How often do you think Notre Dame gets turned down? Because historically, that's that's if not the most one of the most historic football programs in college football history. And he turned them down. Con- consider this for the last now two years, if you want to look at Notre Dame and getting jilted. Brian Kelly leaving, and then you go after the guy that you want as your offensive coordinator, and he tells you no. I hope someday, like, down the road, however long it takes, you know, Colin does talk about this. Uh, Because if it wasn't for without those roots and what Colin Klein has established here, anybody else is is leaving. Because I'm sure there was, uh, I'm sure there was a lot of money. Oh, attached yes. to the offer a lot more than what he got paid this past season. I and I would assume whenever the whenever the new deals are made, everybody getting the raises, however much that is, um, you know, there's a decent chance that Notre Dame still would have been more money. But for some, you know, family and that happiness is more important than money sometimes, and roots are more important. Colin Klein's a family man. K State, it's all about family. And those roots, we have now learned, are stronger than ever. So, I I couldn't imagine how hard of a decision that was for Colin Klein, because he can he seriously considered it. I'm very happy that he chose to stay at K State. If he were to leave, wouldn't blame him one bit, because I'm sure he has goals, not only for him but for his family. But for now, he's with the Wildcats. And if he turns down Notre Dame, does that mean he plans to be here for a very long time? It could, but you never know. But I think as Wildcat fans and those that love Colin Klein, who knocked it out of the park in his first year as offensive coordinator, couldn't be happier that the Heisman Trophy third-place finisher Big 12 champion, former quarterback Colin Klein has decided to stay. K-State Athletics finds itself in an interesting position now. With all that has taken place in terms of facility upgrades through this point, the attention now becomes on paying coaches. In a era where there are some assistants that get paid a million dollars, I don't know that K-State's ever going to get to that point. But it will be interesting to see what K-State does in terms of staying competitive in the marketplace with their assistant coach pay. Yeah, I, I hope K-State makes it worth his while for sure. Absolutely for sure. And maybe... We don't know, but maybe finances on K-State side maybe persuaded him in any way. Don't know. Colin Klein, if he, if he took that consideration, and maybe we'll see down the road. But turning down Notre Dame is big. 
I, I, that's that's a big move. That's a not many people would ever do that. Sure. To coach for touchdown Jesus. <laughs> I I here's how I had imagined that meeting end. At least this is you know it'd be pretty sweet. You know of Colin as he as he left and said, by the way, you know that K State would have whooped you in the 12 national championship if it was us instead of Alabama, right? Because <laughs> Notre Dame is, um, and I've, I've heard this on podcasts, that Notre Dame media and also just fans that have, I've heard this a few times, that the scenario was brought up like, what if K-State doesn't lose to Baylor? They go to the national championship after beating Texas and uh, and play Notre Dame in the national championship game. Everybody in purple is convinced that it's a it's a big win for the Cats. And Notre Dame, the Cats are able to pull away. Notre Dame won't win that game. It's it's the exact opposite for Notre Dame. They are they would they are convinced that it would have been the opposite. Notre Dame wins easily against K-State. Of course, it's a giant what if in K-State history. But man, that would have been sweet. It's interesting that K-State since the point where it started to become a program that was on the climb and started to even look in 93 at the Copper Bowl, how Notre Dame has wound up being mentioned so many times with different things tied to them. That year, one of the names that kept being bandied about as a potential bowl opponent was Notre Dame. Then you've got Lou uh, making comments later on in the 90s about the program. It's 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 interesting how Notre Dame has gotten woven into K-State's storyline. Given that there really is no true heritage between those two. My favorite sports movie is Rudy. I... I mean, who doesn't have, like, Notre Dame on their bucket list to go watch a game? My dad's first lesson on how Notre Dame fans are was taking my grandparents back to Ohio for one of my grandmother's sister's anniversary celebration. The end of Mass was the Notre Dame victory march as everybody exited the stadium, the processional. Interesting. <laughs> Exited the church. If I ever go, if I ever go to a game at Notre Dame, I want to roll up like John Favreau in Rudy in the in the limo with the champagne. And yeah, let's make that happen. Can we get a home and home? <laughs> It'd be a game in South Bend versus then you play Notre Dame and I don't know some neutral site. That would suck. But thank I, you. I want them on our field. But thank you, Colin Klein. We all appreciate you sticking around. And we, we understand, I think most of us understand the sacrifice that was made or what you could have had, like, you know, with the money and stuff to stay here, stay with the cats, bleed purple. It was some purple roots, by God. Uh, the other big uh, topic in college football and college athletics was uh, this happened a lot sooner than I thought it would because a deal wasn't done by the end of the meetings with the, uh, that they had in Dallas, the Big 12 meetings. And, and I, you know, I figured the, the the conversations would ramp up pretty quickly, but this happened just a few days later. And that was uh, Oklahoma and Texas with the Big 12 
have mutually agreed to part ways early. And that early means 2024. After, uh, well, basically after this year. Basically after this academic year. And uh, in 2023, am I getting that right? 2023-24 would be... Yes. This is the last year, and the next year they're into the SEC. The the coming season, the 2023-24. Okay, I'm get, yes, I'm getting it mixed up. 24-25 would have been their last year. They are going to leave a year early, so 23-24 will be their last academic year. Correct. Okay, so I was getting my getting my calendars mixed up. We have a we have a 14-team league through 2023-24. Yeah, for one year. And that'll be also the same for basketball. We'll have a 14-team basketball schedule we'll see what baseball looks like but one more year with Oklahoma and Texas in the league they uh, will play a combined somewhere around a hundred million dollars to exit so it is cheaper than what they initially thought what were you gonna say uh, don't let the door hit you that's my only reaction I'm like thank God this is over Sayonara, get out of here. Yeah, it, a crazy that it could have been, at, when it was all done, a five-year process. Well, and it's a giant distraction. From everybody. For everybody. Yeah, huge distraction. What was your reaction to the total being $100 million that the Big 12 will receive as the exit fee? Okay, a little bitter. I would have loved to have kept them on the hook for everything that they owed. Brett Yormark was ready to get them out. That everybody, all of us, yeah. we're ready to just get them out. Let's just can we please just move on? It makes me think that uh, league meetings haven't been very comfortable. Well, Texas and Oklahoma were quite upset by the whole scheduling. It sounds like, and I mean, if you if you paid attention to social media, they weren't about putting out a really cool no. post announcing their schedule. No, they just retweeted what the league had. Or shared on Facebook what the league posted. Well, they didn't even post the schedule on their websites yet. Oh, they haven't yet? I thought they I thought Oklahoma did. Texas hadn't. So to me, this is a very big win. I mean, I guess in a way everybody wins, but doesn't the Big Twelve and Brett Yormark win just a little bit more? Yeah, there's money involved. Yeah. And that money is going to, uh, you know, some going to the Cats, some going to the Pokes, some going to the Jayhawks, Cyclones. I'll get a little piece of the pie. Exactly. And at the end of the day, we get to laugh as Oklahoma and Texas become irrelevant in the league that they move to. How long does it take for Oklahoma or Texas to win the SEC? Ten? <laughs> Twenty years? <laughs> Missouri's still waiting. Well, let's not pretend Missouri is anything close to Texas or Oklahoma. Well, true. I but don't think Texas... I don't, Texas will implode before that happens. I get that. Well, and, you know, when it comes to brand and just overall success, you know, I kind of think, like, Texas is going to pass Oklahoma. They will kind of switch seats on who's superior... And Texas will become better in football. Which is just a flip of basically sending us back to the 60s. But they're still not going to be winning SEC championships. Anyway, oh, no. Anyway, we talked about that a long time ago. They're out. They're done. We'll get through the next year and a half. 
and then uh, actually not even a year and a half. It's a year and four months, something like that, three or four months, and then it's all over with. We can move on. Speaking of moving on, let's uh, let's jump to Super Bowl 57. And when we come back, hey, another win for Patrick Mahomes when it comes to MVP, and I will tell you why. That is bad news for Sunday. It's up next. I'm just saying right off the bat here, before I say what I'm going to say, I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I do. Okay, Cowboy fan. I want them to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, with that being said, Patrick Mahomes, congratulations to the guy. Shout out to him. He is the MVP, the most valuable player of the NFL for the second time. He received 48 of 50 first place votes. The other two went to Jalen Hurts. Actually, one to Jalen. The other one went to uh, Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. So congratulations to Mahomes for the runaway victory there. And he has win one of two he's looking for in Phoenix. Guys, you, are you a believer in the Madden curse? You show up on the cover of Madden, and before you know it, you're injured in week two and you're out the rest of the season? Yes. used to be more of a curse than it is now. Yeah, two words, Peyton Hillis. Among a lot of others. I think we should talk about the NFL MVP curse. I'm going to share some nuggets here with you. Guys, the last nine MVPs who have played in the Super Bowl, and it's not every year. It's not an every year thing. The NFL MVP plays in the Super Bowl. This year... He is, and Patrick Mahomes. Guys, the last nine MVPs have lost the Super Bowl that, that were to play in it. Mahomes is actually still looking for his first win in a Super Bowl as the MVP. He's 0 for 1 because the, the year he won the MVP was the year they lost to Tom Brady two years ago. The last Super Bowl MVP, and we're talking any, you know, Whatever the position, even though it's usually quarterback. The last Super Bowl MVP, or the last MVP to win the Super Bowl, was Kurt Warner in 1999. Kurt Warner, Rich Gannon, Sean Alexander, Peyton Manning twice, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady twice, Patrick Mahomes. All those dudes in the last 20 years, 20, well, almost 25 years, are MVPs that went on to play in the Super Bowl, and they all lost. So now are you a believer in the NFL MVP curse? Does this mean the Kansas City Chiefs are now screwed and they're not going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57? Listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just delivering the facts. And MVPs have a tough run in the Super Bowl. Is it going to be too much hanging over the head of Patrick Mahomes? My answer to that question is, it depends on the offensive line. Depends on the ankle. Can the O-line keep that pocket clean? Because, you know, talking to Mitch Holtis about this yesterday, we'll replay the interview in hour number two. That Eagles pass rush is the best in the NFL by far. Second place isn't close, and second place is the Chiefs. 
The Eagles have 70 sacks this year. Unbelievable number. Actually, that's just regular season. That's just regular season. The Eagles have four players that have 11 sacks or more. And I remember, you know, of course, two years ago, it was kind of the same thing. It was kind of my same takeaway. I was like, you know, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers is because of the issues for the offensive line in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And what happened? That was that was the big difference. Patrick Mahomes was going was scrambling all over the yard. And guys, I'm I'm just even though I think it's going to be a tight game, I don't think Kansas City wants Patrick Mahomes scrambling all over Glendale, Arizona. Especially with an ankle that's not 100%. That's scary. Hassan Reddick has been insane this year. And he has 16 sacks. Javon Hargrave has 11. Brandon Graham has 11. Josh Sweat has 11. Now on the flip side, how can Kansas City counter that? Well, obviously with the pass rush. Because they do have the second best in the NFL. George Karloftis, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Carlos Dunlap. You know, can they get home against the um, the offensive line of the of the Eagles? You know, the line is a point and a half for the Eagles right now. And I, I do think it's gonna be a tight game. Just can the Chiefs offensive line protect Patrick Mahomes? I think this is truly what it's gonna come down to. Because you do not want him all over the yard like he was in Super Bowl 55. Even though Mahomes made some incredible plays and made some insane throws that were not vertical throws, he was very horizontal for those tosses. And they should have been completed for a couple of touchdowns, but they ended up being dropped. So we'll see. But right now I am leaning Eagles. And I don't know, there really hasn't been a whole lot leading up to the week that tells me, like, just from the press conference stuff and who could play, who's not going to play. I mean, it feels like both teams are are pretty healthy. Well, in fact, the Chiefs have no one on the injury designation list. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Some people are, like, freaking out about that. Like, oh, God, we're going to give him carries. They're going to be taken away from, you know, touches are going to be taken away from Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. CEH is going to probably be third string in this game. And McKinnon like, hasn't had that many carries. He's had catches. Catches, yeah. Yeah, opportunities to get the football. And meanwhile, the Eagles, the MVP of this game has to be a quarterback. It has to be a quarterback. I, it would be tough for anybody else other than Mahomes or Jalen Hurts to get this one. Just for the laughs, I'd like it to be Chris Jones. Why is that? Just what's funny about it? Just because it would be humorous because of all the attention paid to the quarterbacks. And I'm sure that he'd have plenty to say about it. Well, Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders would probably be my pick to win MVP other than the quarterbacks. Cuz he's been a, re- a really good runner this year. Doesn't make very many mistakes. He only had one fumble this year. Very good runner. He had over 1,200 yards this season. So when we come back, this is one of my favorite things to do through the year, and especially leading up for 
the Super Bowl is the prop bets. And this will be Troy and I's competition this year on who can win <laughs> the prop bet war. And I think Troy, with his picks that he's about to make, should put a dollar on it and just parlay it. But we'll get his picks and get mine as we, head out west, as we head out west next on the game. Can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, Ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back. Uh, when I make my bets, I like to get out of town for a little while. Go sit by the pool, take in some rays. Maybe watch some jabronis, swing some clubs, shank them, and hook them to the left a little bit. And by the way, let's go lose some money. It is Mitch in Vegas, Super Bowl 57 edition. I have seven bets that Troy and I are about to make, and Troy is going to put a do- he's going to do a big parlay. He's going to put a dollar on it. He's going to try to win twenty-four dollars. Because he still likes to put the dollar down on like 10 leg parlays and, and lose by one or two. And almost pulled it off again last night, dang it. I did, however, get my six bucks back. On on a, one, of the, one of the parlays? I did, win, I did win one of my parlays last night, so I did at least get my day's allowance back. What a weird allowance, $6 a day. Well, I figured that way I could at least play, you know, uh, set myself up where... I have a little bit of carryover if I do something with a five. I got an extra one in there that I can throw in. Question for you. What is your bigger allowance per day? Sports betting or Diet Coke? Diet Coke. And how much is that? Let's just say that my morning already starts with six bucks out out of my wallet there. Man. All right, here's your first prop bet. We'll kind of go in order as how the game progresses because we're going first with pregame. Got a couple of those. And we lead off with the national anthem. Chris Stapleton will be your singer. And as I, I've said previously, I think if, if Leonard Skinner were to continue touring, it shouldn't be Ronnie's talented, untalented brother. Thank you. It should be Chris Stapleton. I think you'd be a great fill-in for that. But he is singing the national anthem. I don't think his wife is going to be out there. It's just going to be him. The over-under. She's got the kids to take care of. The over-under is a minute 59. Ooh. So a little higher than what the normal is on the expectation, but I still, in my view, think it's going to go over that. So I had to do my research on this, and I've learned over the past five national anthems for the Super Bowl, I think the NFL has been trying to speed things up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they've got three songs back to back to back. Yeah, and uh, the last five national anthems have been under two minutes. So... I'm just going by what history says, and I'm going to take the under. They're going to rush Chris Stapleton a little bit. Yeah, good luck with that. Keep it moving, buddy. (laughs) This is Phoenix. This isn't Montgomery, Alabama. We move a little faster around here. Oh, boy. Uh, Where is Chris Stapleton from? I just kind of threw a city out there. You know, I'm not sure. If we're going to make fun of him. He's been in Nashville for so long. Uh, he's from Kentucky. Le- uh, Lexington, Kentucky. All right. 
Hey, Chris, things move a little bit faster than they do there at Rupp Arena, Lexington, Kentucky. 44 years old. He looks a little bit younger than that. It's just the beard that maybe he looks yeah. Anyway, uh, next is the coin toss. Will it be heads or tails? And you know my answer. Tails never fails. When we were playing Do They Know It, I was always picking tails, and I won 80% of the time. We'll see if I have a little K-State football luck in me this this week with this one. Oh yeah, we should call, we should ask Chris Kleiman. Yes, exactly. What the toss was going to be, but I'll I'll uh, I'll go tails. So I think the Chiefs are the road team. They are. So they will be picking the toss. The last eight road teams to pick the toss in the Super Bowl have all lost. Really. Next is now that we're in the game, which quarterback will have the first touchdown pass? And I'll give you what Vegas thinks the odds should be. Mahomes at minus 162. Or Jalen Hurts at plus 132. So maybe you can kind of consider this as, all right, will I just take the odds and go Hurts? Or should I feel like what is more the sure thing, take more of a gamble and pick Mahomes at minus 162? I'm going to go Mahomes just because uh, passing touchdowns have been more the norm for this Chiefs offense than I feel like they have been for the Eagles. The Eagles have been dominant offensively on first drives of the game. And I got a feeling that the Chiefs are going to lose a toss. Eagles want the ball. They're going to make an early statement. And then it's just kind of it's 50-50. Are we going to get a rush? Or are we going to get a pass for the score? So I like the plus 132 and give me Jalen Hurts. Okay. I like that we're in contrast right now. Now we go to halftime. Rihanna, or as her name really is pronounced, Rihanna, but she's been, she was too skittish to correct people. Ri Ri. Uh, Rihanna, what is going to be the first song she performs at halftime? Too bad Travion isn't here. I think he would have a, he would have a very easy decision or a choice but i know what mine is i'm gonna go with uh, the diamond song shine bright like a diamond beautiful like diamonds in the sky that seems like the right song to lead off with since it's a super bowl but like she was asked during her interview like she's got to fit what 15 years into 13 minutes she's got quite the catalog of tunes I'm going to go off the board a little and go Umbrella. Because of the lead into it. And I think that that allows for a scene setter. That's a good tune. I'm trying to like picture it, like how that would start out. Like they bring her out and it's... Eh, eh, oh, no, my umbrella. Huh. Maybe. Maybe. Next. We got three left here. I'm not sure though. Does FanDuel allow for that uh, that one on the uh, on the props? I have not seen. Okay, I, I didn't look through. I just kind of did a Google search. Give just, me some prop bets. Just just verifying. Um, okay, this was from FanDuel. Total Patrick Mahomes rushing yards. The over under is seventeen and a half. Troy, do you think Mahomes will be over or under that number? That's a tough call given that the ankle has been the storyline 
for two weeks, but three weeks actually. But I really do feel like that that is low given that he did not look all that bad two weeks ago in terms of mobility on it, and he's had a full two weeks to be able to get treatment and get ready for this game. I'm going to go over. So since in the NFL they do not take away yardage when he gets sacked, I think he's going to be a little bit on the run on Sunday, so I'm going to take the over. I know some, Out of necessity. I, I know some arena-slash-indoor football league quarterbacks who wish that that was the rule back in the day. All right, you're going to take the Eagles minus one and a half, or are you going Chiefs? It's basically a pick em. Unless it's a one-point game, but obviously. but um, Wow. No, I, I'm on record at 28-24 for the final in the Chiefs' favor, so I'll go Chiefs. I don't have a final score. I haven't even thought about that. I, Again, I want the Chiefs to win. I'm just slightly leaning the Eagles in the Andy Reid slash Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl. <laughs> Which, by the way, what a boring – when it comes to the actual brothers, what a boring week it's been with those two. I don't think it's been that entertaining. The mom has been interesting. Yes. That's because they both understand what it means to be there and – what you have to do so i'm going it's it's the post where they'll get interesting i'm going eagles minus one and a half i think it's hilarious that her jersey that she's gonna wear is like half and half but it's not it's not down the middle it's chiefs front and eagles back so when when they put her on tv you're gonna see the chiefs jersey you're not going to see jason kelsey's part of the jersey which gets into the whole argument of who does she like better the final one is the color of the Gatorade. What is the color of the Gatorade that is going to be doused on the winning coach? I've said, you know, they should just dump cheeseburgers on, uh, like, just let Amy Reed know it's coming. Looks up, opens the chompers, and <laughs> waits for the burgers and fries to come out of the out of the uh, out of the bucket. That'd be awesome. But if there is some Gatorade, what's the first color we see? And by the way, from what I understand, it, it doesn't have to be the head coach. It's just the first color of Gatorade or water. It clear would be the answer there. I, that I, is doused on I swear, a winning coach. The New York Giants began something that is unreal that it's gone to this length. I'm going to go orange just because. Hey, orange is a great flavor. Well, I'm just I'm just saying it's you know, the Giants began this whole dumping the Gatorade on Parcells thing. Hmm. And now it's grown to literally be a prop bet. As my coaches used to say, uh, Gatorade is the second half drink. Drink water in the first half. Nice. Um, I'm going to go blue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little out there and pick blue. You're my boy, blue. Even though blue is not, like, is not a top three flavor for me when it comes to Gatorade. I lo- lemon lime is my fr- favorite, the classic. Orange would be in the top three, and what I can't remember what it's called, but the white, uh, the white uh, Gatorade, ice whatever. Yeah, like it's like black cherry. I don't know what it is, but that that stuff is good. I have to put that in the top three as well. All right, well those are seven prop bets. Could I could I talk you into maybe putting in more than more than a dollar? I haven't decided what my uh, plan is for Sunday yet on bets. 
I might have to download FanDuel and put a bet in myself. There you go. I don't think I'm allowed to, but uh, it's the Super Bowl. What do you know? Have you figured out what you're going to do for food? We are doing a get together over in Topeka with Monica's family members, and so is it a potluck? It is. So, so what's what's the Coverdale's bringing? Uh, I I think that we're going to double verify and make sure that the that the uh, chips are stocked. The chips. Yeah. The chips. Like, are we just talking about like well, because, Lay's? I mean, this no. Like nachos. For Doritos, yes. Uh, well. For nachos, yes. So. I was gonna say like. I mean, I don't know. Were you listening Tuesday when I did my top ten Super Bowl finger yes, foods? Yes, I was. Yes. I mean, that's great. That's hopefully like. Do you know what the main course is going to be? Uh, no, because we tend to be pretty good about just doing appetizer stuff for I, this. Yeah. For this. As yeah, as I think I'm going to do sliders again this year. Do like the Hawaiian rolls. Yeah. Hawaiian king. Uh, Hawaii, uh, yeah. Kings Hawaiian. Qu- Kings Hawaiian rolls. Split it and just cut it right in half. Don't separate the rolls. Just cut the whole thing in half. Put the bottom layer in a pan. Put some turkey, some ham, some roast beef. Go with all the deli meats. Some cheese, some cheddar, some uh, some pepper jack. Put the buns on top. A little butter the top of it a little bit. Put some seasoning on top. I'm telling you, put that stuff in the oven, and you're a hit. You are set. The thing is, I don't know exactly what Lindsay and I are doing yet for the Super Bowl. <laughs> if we're just going to stay at her place or we're going to go somewhere else, I'm just kind of waiting for the decision to be made for me. Isn't it nice to have that flexibility, though, that you can do it that way? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean she also has kids. Right. And I don't. I'm just kind of, in a way, I'm just kind of tagging along. But I will say, last year, I was watching the game by myself. I tell you, watching the Super Bowl alone, it's lonely. It is. I was like, hey, did you see that commercial? Oh, I don't have anybody to talk to. Did you just see Cincinnati blow that? Oh. That's what text messages are for. And then I get on Twitter, and then I start annoying people with my play-by-play. Something along those lines, yeah. All right, Troy and I are out of here. We're heading to Manhattan High. Mitch Palm, a fresh one, is after the break. Here's Mitch Ball with tonight's prediction. All right, we're not starting the best of the game just yet. I have to bring you a fresh Mitch Palm because number 12, Kansas State, and 19 and 5, 7 and 4 in the conference at Texas Tech Saturday. Red Raiders 12 and 12, 1 and 10 in the Big 12. They are in last place. This game from United Supermarkets Arena and a 6 o'clock tip tomorrow. Cats coming off a win over number 17, TCU. Now a game back from first place. Meanwhile, Texas Tech has lost their last two at Baylor, at Oklahoma State. But they did have a comeback win against Iowa State. That was a 23-point comeback to win by three in overtime. When the first meeting, K-State needed a run, a 14-2 run to pull away from Tech in the second half and win 68-58. Texas Tech led that game by five points at the half, 33-28. But the Cats shot 52% in the second half, led by Marquise Noel, 23 points and eight rebounds. All right, looking at the Red Raiders heading into tomorrow night's game. They're going to be down a couple of players most likely. 
Pop Isaacs, who's their best three-point shooter. At 38%, he also takes the most threes. He has hit the most threes. The 6'2 freshman guard, most likely out for the game. He was seen just a couple of nights ago in the Oklahoma State game, still in a boot. He has an ankle injury that happened about two weeks ago. He's averaging 12 points, three assists a game. He had 13-3 and three against the Cats in game number one. And they have Fardaz Amak, the 6'11 forward, who's one of the best rebounders in the Big 12 if he's healthy. But he's only played three games this year due to a foot injury. But in those three games, averaging 10 points a game, he had six against the Cats. And he is most likely out for this game against K-State. Now, we know about Texas Tech's rotation. Mark Adams likes to sub a lot. Being down to those two guys, they'll still work in and out nine players most likely. They're all averaging at least 11 minutes a game. But they've been going with smaller lineups lately. That's been helping them out a little bit defensively with switching on the ball screens and uh, staying with their man in the man-to-man defense and doing a better job of contesting shots. Looking at the players for Texas Tech, there are a number that do stand out. Kevin O'Banner leading the team with 15 points and six rebounds a game. Davion Harmon, he's coming off a 19-point game against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and he's averaging 13 points a game, and he leads the team in assists and steals. And uh, back to O'Banner, I mean, that guy, he's, he has scored over 2,000 points in his career, o- over 1,000 rebounds. He's seventh in rebounding in the Big 12. And then you have Talon Tyson at the guard position, who had a career-high 20 points against Oklahoma State on Wednesday night and also had his third double-double of the season with 19 points and 10 rebounds against Baylor. And he's just a sophomore who's averaging 11.6 rebounds a game to six boards. That's ninth in the Big 12. But playing as a team, Texas Tech has not done well most of the season as playing as a team, especially in Big 12 play, obviously at 1 and 10. Here are the numbers in Big 12 play for Texas Tech. They're ninth in scoring offense, 65 points a game. Ninth in scoring defense, giving up 75 a game. That's right, they're losing games by 10 points. That's the worst in the Big 12. They are 10th in field goal percentage at 41%. They're ninth in three-point field goal percentage at 28.8, which, by the way, they also take the second most attempts from three in Big 12 play. They're up to 250 in the 11 games. They're seventh in three-point percentage defense at 34%. They're eighth in free throw shooting at 68%. They are the worst team in the Big 12 in giving up rebounds. They also commit the second most turnovers in conference play at 14 and a half. They force 12 and a half, that's eighth in the conference. And when it comes to passing the ball, getting to open shooters, the worst in the Big 12, just 10 assists a game. Meanwhile, against ranked opponents, Texas Tech has not been very good. Other than the win against Iowa State last week, that was a ginormous comeback win. Iowa State taking the biggest embarrassment in Big 12 play so far, wasting that 23-point lead. Tech is 1-8 against ranked opponents, and in in just three of those losses, three of the eight against ranked opponents uh, have been by six points or less. They are typically double-digit losses, either at home or on the road. Again, that is against ranked opponents. But I will say this has been a very interesting trend lately for the Red Raiders. And in the last eight games, we've seen either big swings going in their favor or definitely going against them. First of all, comebacks for Texas Tech. Three of the last eight games. 
against Oklahoma State. They were down 14 in the second half. They come back but lose by three. The Iowa State game, they are down 23. They win the game by three points in overtime. Go back to the Big 12 SEC Challenge. In the second half, with less than nine minutes to go, LSU holding on to a five-point lead, but Texas Tech used a big run, and they win that game by 10 points on the road, but they've also blown leads in three of the last eight games against West Virginia. They are up 10 in the second half. They lost that game by 15. To Kansas State, some don't remember this, but K-State in the second half against Tech was at one point down eight points, and K-State won the game by 10. And also Texas in Austin. I felt like Tech should have won that game, but they blew it. They blew it in the second half. Texas Tech was up 12, and they lost the game by two points. And to be quite clear with you, my keys to this game, not a lot is going to change with this one. Not a lot really changes from the last few games. It's quite clear. Now, one little difference, though, is K-State can't give away the free points. And that goes back to, you know, at times, Tech does play some pretty good defense. They've been playing better defense lately with their smaller lineups. They've been a little bit more aggressive with three-point shooting teams, protecting the perimeter. And... Um, but don't give them too many free points as in taking care of the basketball. Be smarter with the passes. They're going to come off ball screens a lot better, especially with as much as they're switching now on the ball screens. They're doing a lot more than they, they were earlier in the year. They're going to be better with the man-to-man defense, most likely. So K-State, smarter with the passes. Don't do stupid things. Don't go on a sloppy run. That has been an issue for the Cats on the road lately in case he's trying to end a three-game losing streak on the road in Big 12 play. Plus, Keontae Johnson. Can he draw the blocks instead of the uh, the charging fouls? Can he stay out of foul trouble early in the game? I think that is very important. Now, I, I have said that. You know, the numbers are pretty ugly for Texas Tech this year. In conference play, they are not keeping up with the rest of the pack. However, I think Tech is playing a little bit better recently. Kim Palm says K-State's only going to win this game by two. 73-71, that's a 58% chance. I think the Cats will win. It'll be a little bit bigger than that. I have an eight-point win for K-State in Lubbock as they will take down the Red Raiders 69-62. And that's going to do it for Mitch Palm. This is where I get out of here. I'm heading to the MHS gym with Manhattan hosting Junction City tonight with uh, approximate start time at around 6 o'clock. The best of the game will take over. It's the game on KMAN.